Alright, let's go ahead and continue our series looking at using the law lawfully. She's looking at the Old Testament law, seeing how it applies to us as Gentile believers, if it even applies at all. And today we're actually going to be concluding our series. It's been over a year since we started, so it's a very lengthy series. I think it's been almost two years, but anyway, it's, it's been a long time since we first started it. We're going through all 613 of the laws that are listed in the Old Testament according to the Sefer HaMitzvah. Now, of course, they break some of these down into ridiculous detail uh, when really they'll take a law that we covered as just one law and they'll split it into seven or ten different laws. So we combined a lot of it, but uh, we're going to look at I think this is number 122 that we're looking at today, and this will be the final one, and then we'll move on to something else. <clears throat> so today we'll start in Deuteronomy chapter 23, and it's not the law that I would have chosen as the conclusion, but it just happened to be the last one uh, in the list, and that's the law against prostitution. And so we're going to end the series out, Deuteronomy 23, verse number 17. There shall be no whore of the daughters of Israel, nor a sodomite of the sons of Israel. And here we have the Old Testament command. The Jews were forbidden, forbidden from allowing their daughters to be prostitutes. Let's go also to Leviticus chapter 19. Leviticus 19. It sounds like the coffee's done if any of y'all want to grab a cup. Leviticus 19, verse 29. Very similar to the Deuteronomy passage. Leviticus 19, 29. Do not prostitute thy daughter to cause her to be a whore, lest the land fall to whoredom and the land become full of wickedness. Okay, and so we see in these two passages that prostitution was forbidden in Israel. They were not allowed to have their daughters as prostitutes. But we also see in Leviticus 19, verse 29, that this prohibition is a natural law. This is not just God saying, I don't want you to do this because it's something I don't like. This is God saying, I don't want you to do this because it's a violation of a natural law. We can see that when we talk, when we see here that he says, lest the land fall to whoredom. When God talks about sins that are against the land and that violate the land and bring destruction on the land. He's talking about natural laws. And we've seen that several times uh, throughout the course of the study. So this, again, we're looking at a violation of a natural law. So there's, because it's a violation of a natural law, there is a natural consequence uh, for this violation. We see that also in Leviticus 19.29. The conclusion of the verse says, and the land become full of wickedness. So the natural result of allowing prostitution is that the land becomes full of wickedness. Uh, and we can see that here in America and the different cities and states that have uh, sort of allowed more and more prostitution to take place. Uh, it has promoted a bunch of wickedness. and to, It's just natural as this particular sin is allowed to take place, more sins follow, and the land goes further and further into wickedness. So it's a, a natural law that God set up that uh, sexual intercourse to be between a man and, and his wife 
violate that particular natural law, it produces negative consequences in society uh, as a whole and in many cases produces destruction of the society. It's a natural law that God set up. And, by the way, that is the reason that it's okay for the government to uh, enforce this particular natural law because it is a danger to society as a whole. It's not just a danger to those who participate in it. It's a danger to society as a whole, and so therefore the government has a vested interest in preventing these types of sins. Uh, but anyway, that's the Old Testament command. <clears throat> Let's look at the New Testament application. Is this one of those laws that God just had in place for ancient Israel and he revoked for us in the New Testament? Or is this one that we have to follow also? The answer is found in several passages, but we'll start in Ephesians chapter 5. So Ephesians 5 and verse 5. For this you know that no whoremonger, nor unclean person, nor covetous man who is an idolater hath any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. And so here we have a denunciation of this group called whoremongers. Uh, the whoremongers, it's mentioned several times. You have 1 Timothy 1.10 where uh, the same, very similar listing where God talks about how the, the law was made for sinners and unrighteous people and gives a big long list. One of the people on that list was whoremongers. Uh, Hebrews 13.4 Marriage is honorable in all and the bed undefiled, but whoremongers and adulterers God will judge. And then Revelation 21.8 as the liars go to hell verse. Um, all liars shall have their part in the lake that is uh, to be cast in the lake of fire. Um, it's not just liars, but it's also a whole list of people. One of the people in that list was whoremongers. And then in Revelation 22:15, again talking about people that are being cast into hell, uh, we have the whoremonger listed there also. So several times throughout the New Testament, we have this reference to whoremongers, and they're always listed as evil people that uh, have their part in hell, uh, people that we are not to be. And in some places it talks about the whoremongers and says that uh, such were some of you it's in one of those listings. So it is possible for someone to be saved out of that. But it's very clear in the New Testament that this sin of being a whoremonger is a very, it's very much uh, considered a sin for Christians. How does that have to do with prostitution? Well, I mean, if we just take the English word, yeah, the, the whoremonger. Monger means someone who deals in, someone who, who is in the business of. So a whoremonger in our English word means someone who's in the business of, uh, who is in the whore business, whether a buyer or a seller, he's in the whore business. Uh, so that would be prostitution. It's a pretty good translation. The Greek word that's translated there is pornos, which literally means a man who, pay, <coughs> excuse me, a man who pays for a prostitute. That's what that word means, where we get our word pornography and all that. It literally means a man who pays for a prostitute. That's what it, it means. So when the Bible talks about whoremongers, uh, whoremongers and adulterers, God will judge what it's talking about. Those who go out and buy prostitutes, God's going to judge them. Uh, that, that's a sin. That's wickedness. Uh, and it brings the wrath of God upon a nation. So in the New Testament, we see, again, engaging in prostitution is expressly forbidden 
in the New Testament. And then, as we can see in Ephesians 5, verse 6, and also Hebrews 13, 4, that engaging in prostitution brings the wrath of God. Verse number 6, Ephesians 5, we'll, we'll read 5 again. For this you know, that no whoremonger, nor unclean person, nor covetous man who is an idolater, hath any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no man deceive you with vain words, for because of these things cometh the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. Be not ye therefore partakers with them. Okay, so we see that in the New Testament also we're warned that this sin brings the wrath of God. Uh, here it talks about upon the children of disobedience. So uh, this is what, uh, this sin brings God's wrath against those who are uh, away from him those who are lost, those who are not saved, the implication is if we are partakers with them, partakers in the sin, we're also going to be partakers in the wrath uh, that uh, is going to come here in this life. And of course, as Christians, we're not going to be partakers of the wrath to come, which is in the next life. But we will suffer uh, the wrath of God in this life if we are partakers in the sin that brings uh, the wrath of God. So in the New Testament, it's very clear that uh, engaging in prostitution is expressly forbidden. It is something that brings the wrath of God upon people. Uh, and then we can see also from the fact that it is a natural law. Natural laws do not change. At least they will not change until God completely changes nature with the new heaven and the new earth. Uh, if, if they even change then, we don't know. He may keep the same natural laws then. But as long as this world is here, the natural laws that God laid down at the foundation of this world are all in play. They're not something that changes. And this being a natural law, it will always be in effect for all people at all times until the Lord comes back. All right, so that is the final uh, commandment that we're looking at from the Old Testament, and seeing that it does apply to us uh, in the New Testament time period. Any comments or questions on that one? Well, that covers all of the laws. Now, let's turn to 1 Timothy 1.8. 1 Timothy 1 and verse 8. <clears throat> all right, and this is where we started. This is what launched us into the entire series 1 Timothy 1, verse 8, But we know that the law is good if a man use it lawfully. And so we've gone through all these Old Testament laws trying to figure out how to use it lawfully. And we've found there are a lot. In fact, it kind of surprised me how many of the Old Testament laws still apply to us today as New Testament believers. Now, there are many that do not. For example, the dietary laws uh, were expressly repealed. They weren't just repealed and made of no effect when Christ died on the cross. God specifically said, these laws are repealed at this time. Uh, and he, he started, the first reference to that was with Peter, with the sheep being let down from heaven. And then you have Paul uh, telling Timothy also that the dietary laws were ex expressly repealed in the New Testament. And so we have other laws like that, that God said these are for health reasons back in the past. These laws are no longer necessary going forward. They're not to be 
uh, upheld and enforced, they're, they're now repealed. We also have laws that were done away with at the cross, not because they were repealed, but because they were fulfilled. Uh, they were no longer necessary, like the sacrificial laws, uh, the laws about the, uh, the veil of the tabernacle being put where no one could go into the Holy of Holies except for the high priest, and that only once, one time every year. Um, that law was fulfilled because Christ, our high priest, has now gone into the, the Holy of Holies in heaven, and so the tabernacle here on earth is no longer necessary. It's just a, a, now just an empty building. And so uh, God ripped the veil from top to bottom, uh, just showing that it was him that ripped it, not a, a human being. Ripped it from top to bottom, opened that area of the Holy of Holies, and exposed it to, to everyone because that's no longer the, the path to get your sins forgiven uh, and, and get righteousness with God. It's now through Jesus Christ. So those laws were fulfilled and no longer apply to us, but there are a lot of laws that still do apply to us. Uh, many of those were natural laws, and uh, just like the one we just looked at with prostitution, uh, the natural law about uh, the prohibition against murder uh, obviously still applies to us. It's still wrong to kill people, uh, to murder people, and there are many other natural laws that we looked at that still apply to us. So the popular thing to do nowadays is to just dismiss the whole Old Testament and the entire law and say, that doesn't apply to us at all. You know, we're, we're in Christ. We don't have to worry about the, the law, the old law. Now we're under the law of Christ. And the law of Christ is just to be all lovey-dovey to everyone, and that's it. Um, but that's not what we see when we actually look at the Old Testament, study through the law, and we find out a lot of it still applies to us today as Gentile believers. Hopefully, this will be turned into my uh, master's thesis and my doctor's thesis, and uh, I'll actually get some additional credit for uh, doing this, but uh, I am going to, I have all the outlines here available, it's 57 pages worth of outlines, but uh, if any of you would like them, just let me know and I can get those to you, it's, I can't even remember, I'm the one that taught, I can't even remember all the stuff that, that we've gone through over the past uh, year and a half or so. But I'm glad I have the notes because I can now go back and look it up. And even in the course of teaching this, I've had times where people have said, oh, we no longer have to obey that because that's Old Testament law. And I've gone back to my notes and said, wait a minute, that law is still in effect. In fact, it was repeated in the New Testament. And I can give them the scripture references and, and help them in their, their walk with Christ. So I'll make it available to you if you want it. I'll, it'll just be digital uh, format, but I can email it to you or put it on a thumb drive or whatever to, to get it to you if you want it. And then if you want to print it out, you can pay for the 57 pages of, <laughs> of print. Um, and then, it, like I said, eventually I'll have it as a, a master's thesis and a doctor's thesis and then combine the two together into a single book uh, covering all of it. So, any comments or questions on it before we dismiss a little early today? All right. We'll close out that particular chapter and move on to another one next week.